Hey, Chicago Fire fans, this is Nick with the Feed the Fire podcast, where we discuss all things Chicago Fire FC. We are recapping their latest match against DC United, a disappointing, to say the least, 0-0 draw at home on April Fool's Day. First of all, we want to thank our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, for supporting the show. And in this episode, we are going to look at a few of the themes that occurred throughout the game, like how the offense is faltering again, how the defense barely kept it together, and how the coaching did really nothing. Nothing at all during this DC match. Uh, we're going to hear from our featured guest, John Donovan, on his takes, all things Chicago Fire versus DC. And then we'll wrap the show looking at some of the statistics of the match and see if they kind of match up to the eye test and if there's anything we can learn by looking at that. Make sure that you follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also on YouTube if you'd like to listen to the videos there. Minor programming note, according to our data and analytics from Spotify, we actually have some listeners in the UK, Belgium, and Germany. So if you're overseas listening, thank you so much. Please reach out. Let me know what you like, what brought you to the show, what keeps you interested in the Chicago Fire and MLS. I'm on social media at Glasshouse Soccer, or you can email me at glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. Now let's get into our review of this DC United match. Like I said, 0-0 draw on Soldier Field over the weekend. You know, one of the things I was worried about with all the storms that rolled through the Midwest and the tornado sirens going off on Friday, that the field on Soldier, the field, the actual surface at Soldier Field would be an absolute mess. Because as anyone who's ever watched a Bears game knows, that field gets ripped up way too easily and is not in the best conditions. But the field actually wasn't historically awful like we've seen in some Bears games or in some fire games as well. So we can take that excuse out of the equation at least this weekend. Uh, but one of the excuses we can't overlook is why the offense is continuing to falter. They did have two games in a row of three goals. But as I mentioned in our last episode, that might have been a little bit of false hope. One of them was a PK from Chihos. The Miami game was as much of poor Miami defending as it was any good fire offense. And then, of course, uh, in that Miami game, you have a late stunner by Kai Kamara. So not generating the kinds of consistent goal scoring opportunities, which when we look at the stats will be confirmed. But let's take a look at the offense here. So Brian Gutierrez has been playing really, really well the last two games, made the bench on the MLS team of the week last week, uh, but could not follow it up with another stellar performance. He played well enough to create some chances, and we did see Chris Mueller getting into some dangerous areas, creating some opportunities from himself and his teammates. But again, it came down to relying on Kai Kamara off the bench to provide a little bit of something to try and steal the points late. The problem also is when the defense plays well, the offense doesn't and vice versa. And we'll address that in a little bit as well. Uh, looking at the offense, Haile Selassie out on the wing was kind of invisible during this game. Really didn't do too much. You could see the fire were trying to focus their attack on the opposite side of the field. And Selassie just was not getting into dangerous areas, not making those far post runs, not calling for the ball. I think he may still be easing into the team a little bit. But when you're starting as a winger, get out there, mix it up, get involved in the game. Heck, go out and just crush an opposing DC player with a tackle just to get something, get in the game a little bit. Heck, maybe that'll 
will draw DC's attention away from Mueller and Gutierrez. Because as we've seen in the last couple games and in this one, whenever Gutierrez got the ball, he was at least double teamed, if not triple teamed. And when he was driving towards the opponent's 18, you saw sometimes four defenders on him over these last couple weeks. So opposing teams know Gutierrez is the guy for Chicago, at least when Shakiri's out of the lineup. We'll see how defenses adjust to having both of them on the pitch, assuming Ezra actually puts them both on the pitch. We've heard a lot of people calling for Gutierrez to remain that center mid attacking focus with Shakiri on the wing, maybe feeding some balls and working a little give and go with Gutierrez as well. We'll see what Ezra does. Um, also, we're looking at part of the reason the offense faltered in the second half. The coaching staff didn't make any changes, and, and we're going to talk about some of Ezra's comments, but essentially, who are they going to put in? We really saw the Fire's lack of depth on display, with Shakiri out injured, Torres out injured, Fabian Herbers having to start for Federico Navarro, Herbers is best used as an attacking option off the bench late in the game, and then you see your only two strikers at this point are Shabilko and Kamara, so yeah, you're going to put Kamara in for Shabilko, but... With no other changes, how's he going to get the ball? Um, so there is a complete lack of depth and lack of offensive options that the Fire have. And this is going to fall on Heights, who's had the last few years to try and figure it out. Also, it seems like the Fire are only generating goals or good goal-scoring opportunities when the entire squad is playing at their best. So when Gutierrez and Mueller have just average to okay, you know, above average games a little bit, you need Shabilko to step up. You need Kai to step up. You need the rest of those attacking players to really pick their game up. Selassie needs to start taking defenders one-on-one. -on -one. You need to see Suket or Dean pushing forward, making some overlaps in the, into the corners, into those channels. None of that was going on. So you had an average Brian Gutierrez and Chris Mueller. Though Mueller, I'll give him probably one of the higher grades uh, in this match because he did try to to generate some offense, got a couple shots off, made, got into some dangerous spots, but no one else was even playing at an average MLS level, and that's why you have zero goals. Now let's look at the defense, how they barely kept it together. Now defense has been this team's strength since Ezra Hendrickson took over as the club's manager. You brought in Rafa Chijos, you developed Omsberg and Tehran, uh, you had Miguel Navarro, who was at least reliable-ish like you know he wasn't a, a position of extreme need in in the left back position there but now you bring in a Seves, you bring in jonathan dean you have suket and you're trying to generate some offense with your wing backs but then they're just not covering they're not getting back in time now before we get a little bit more into the fire defense let's take a look at dc's offense here because taxi fountas their greek striker was inches on a couple shots from making this a two or three goal lead for DC United. On one, he got right inside the 18, kind of got tangled up with Benteke. The ball got a little caught up under his feet. He wasn't able to get power on a shot, uh, and Brady was able to make the save. On another one, that, that amazing save that Brady made, and I got to retract one of my tweets because I said, yeah, the right post was the player of the match for deflecting Fountas' shot. Brady actually got a fingertip on it to push it just into the post and keep it out of the goal. But on that one, again, if Fountas is maybe an inch above or below Brady's tip of his middle finger or just outside of it, that's one nothing DC United. And in typical fire fashion, as we've seen them concede goals each of the last two games, you have a scrambling defense when the opponent is counterattacking, 
backpedaling, backpedaling, backpedaling into your own 18. And Fountas is good enough striker, as most strikers in MLS are now, where they're going to tee off from 18, 20, 22 yards out and take their chances, especially on a counterattack. You want a quick strike. They're not trying to hold possession. DC's not trying to, to get the ball and, and play, you know, a New York City style of defense or maybe a Galaxy or offense or a Galaxy style of offense where you've got, you know, Ricky Pooch kind of playing the ball, working some passing around, whatever the case is. Then again, Galaxy's offense maybe isn't a good offensive comparison for anybody at this point in the season. But the point remains, the Chicago Fire could have gone down one nothing second half at home against a bad DC team because the defense is just out of shape, backpedaling. Also, Fountas got fouled multiple times in this game. Fortunately, no yellow cards for the fire, which set up some dangerous free kicks. So he was a threat the entire game. Thankfully, also Benteke had a subpar game uh, by his standards and I think by Rooney and DC standards. He only had one shot, uh, and that one was from inside the 18, probably right around, I'd say, 10, 12 yards out. And Brady was able to come up with the save on it. That's when Benteke usually puts in the back of the net. So the fire lucked out again by DC's attackers being off today. But to the defense's credit, it was their first shutout of the season. DC only had about a 0.7 expected goal in this game. And for that, I will say Jonathan Dean did have himself another good game. He did try to get forward when he could, but he seems to understand that his primary role is defense and that he's going to, he can't get caught out of position and have to make these, you know, half field recovery runs like he did the first couple times he laced up for the fire. But we are seeing that Ezra Hendrickson is trusting him. The coaching staff is trusting him in the back line and to get forward uh, when he believes it. it's a good opportunity to do that. And Ezra's post-game comment said that, um, that they started Dean uh, and not a Seves because they wanted to, they, they've liked how Dean's play has been the last couple of weeks. Now for the third theme, and again, this is an ongoing theme, just as the other two have been all season, coaching. Coaching completely failed in this match, and this is a big one. And first, I want to give kudos to the reporters asking Ezra his post-game questions because they asked the right questions, and Ezra did no favors to himself or his staff and just kept digging a hole with his answers. I mean, when I was a litigating attorney, when I was in court and I was, you know, cross-examining witnesses, I really wish I would have had a witness like Ezra Hendrickson because it would have been so easy to pick him apart. For example, Ezra was asked about how to reconcile the offense and defense, about when the offense has a good game, the defense doesn't, vice versa. Here's his quote. They had a really good game plan, they being D.C. They came in and they were just kicking long. That's not how we like to play. We did what we had to keep them off the board, but it's difficult, you know, when it's too many long balls, so many balls over the top to get in the flow of our game where we could be cleaner offensively. So it's part because of how they play. They came with a plan and they stuck to it, made it difficult for us to get on the ball and play the way we want to play. That's Ezra's quote. Um, so if I was opposing counsel here or if the reporters were able to ask follow-up questions and not... Uh, and didn't care about burning bridges with the fire, I would have easily said like, okay, so I asked you about why your offense and defense aren't in sync. And your answer was uh, that it was because of how DC wanted to play. How does that explain the prior four matches? And why are you talking about DC? I want to know about the Chicago fire here. Also, Ezra went on to say, at the end of the day, we stuck to what we wanted to do and we just didn't get the goals tonight. Okay. So you're admitting that you weren't prepared for DC's game plan or you didn't care about DC's game plan and just wanted to do what you wanted to do. 
and you made no adjustments. You are admitting we stuck to the same game plan for 90 minutes, despite the fact it wasn't working. The fire created one expected goal. We'll talk about the stats later on in the show, too. But they had terrible offensive opportunities, and yet they continued to stick with it. Ezra, you made no adjustments, and you admitted that it wasn't working, and you made no adjustments. Here's what he had to say about just that. Well, tonight, especially, it was based on what the game was calling for. And if you look on the bench, we have Casas, we have Olmsberg, we have Alonzo, we have Kendall Burks, all defensive players, and we weren't looking to hold on to a lead or anything like that tonight. So there was no need to feature that. Misa Rodriguez was on the bench, the lone attacker we had there. That could have been a possibility. We thought Kai was going to was doing well, and going to a two-forward line was not something that we kind of wanted to do tonight. And we almost got the victory, just keeping it, staying with one forward. But it was mainly tactical tonight. No need with so many defenders on the bench. So the reason he, a couple reasons why he didn't make any sort of attacking adjustments. Number one, because they almost won. That makes no sense. They were almost doing it with Kai. So I didn't have to make the adjustment. No, 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 no. That Kai Kamara one where they almost did it was in stoppage time of the second half meaning Kai did not have the kind of opportunities you're talking about during the course of that second half. Additionally, it almost sounds like he's deflecting a little here, blaming the construction of the roster. Well, we only had defensive players available to us. Hey, in the modern era of soccer, everyone plays offense when you have the ball and everyone plays defense when you don't. If you want to sit back and play counterattacking style that I, I think the fire have, assuming they have any style at all, then you just need to throw everyone forward. Your guys can run, right? They can get into the box and have a tap-in, right? When you've got Gutierrez serving the ball up well, when you've got Mueller who can cross, uh, yeah, just send guys forward. At this point, you shouldn't – he said, we weren't trying to come back. But you weren't trying to win either. That's a problem. That's a problem. He also says it was mainly tactical tonight. So you're admitting that the tactics and your best opportunities to score goals and wins games – Failed. Thanks again, Ezra. All right, let's take a look. One other note I had here, what I think is also worse about this quote is that he even considered going to a two-striker system up top and rejected it. He said, hey, you know what? There's this idea. We could do it. Could change things up a little bit. But you know what? Kai is almost getting it done. So we're going to stick with it. And that's not a knock on Kai Kamara by any means. The guy goes out and hustles and works and creates opportunities and puts defenses on their back heels. But the fact that your coach said we were considering it, but Kai was almost going to do it. So we didn't want to change. Additionally, I think if you want to read between the lines a little bit here, uh, the fact that he didn't want to put Rodriguez on the bed shows his distrust of some of these players that are further down the death chart. I am going to have to look up and confirm um, if Rodriguez is a uh, Fire Academy product because we have seen that um, Ezra does not really trust the Fire Academy products like Bezerra, who when a team needed goals last year, you had a guy who was doing it in FC2, but uh, Chicago Fire 2, but did not get many opportunities. And yeah, Mr. Rodriguez is a homegrown. So he, again, this just shows Ezra doesn't want to use the guys that Heights is developing and Heights isn't signing guys for the first team. Anyway, lots of problems there. One other thing I wanted to point out and thank you uh, to Ahane Jain. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly on Twitter. We had a good conversation on Twitter about coaching and his point was that Ezra and other MLS coaches would be better served 
getting some European coaching experience before either coming back to MLS or taking over uh, MLS squads. Now, I, he, his argument is that because Ezra Hendrickson played in MLS and has coached in MLS and has no other than a short stint for St. Vincent and the Grenadines national team, uh, no other experience, no other soccer experience outside of America, outside of MLS, that his ideas are limited. At least I think that's what, what Jane was saying. So let me know if that's, if that's not it. But what I, and I agree, Ezra needs to go out and get some other experiences and try something new. We have seen, he's been very inflexible uh, over the last season plus that he's been with the Chicago fire. However, you can just go to YouTube and watch clips of other teams, right? He can watch any other game on the weekend or have some assistant or secretary or intern or anybody in the fire organization uh, go put together a video reel of plays he wants to run, styles, formations, tactics, whatever it is. He can do that. It's not like we don't have the internet. It's not like we don't have film sessions. Um, also, I, I think it's it's a little more, this take that, that Ahen Jain has is a little... I'm not going to say Euro snobby, but I think I think it is a little discounting uh, what we have developed here over the last quarter century in America and MLS because kind of kind of discounts real quickly. Siggy Schmidt, Brian Smetzer, Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley, Peter Vermees, and Jim Curtin, guys who have had a lot of success in the MLS, uh, and then guys who have actually gone on to bigger roles. I mean, if you want to talk about um, Bob Bradley going overseas. And Bruce Arena having some success at the national team level, even Bradley having some success at the national team level. And again, you had a guy like Jesse Marsh who came up with the fire as a player, got into a good Red Bull coaching situation and was able to go do it overseas as well. So I, I can't agree 100 percent with Ahan Jane's take, but I do think that Ezra Hendrickson needs to get out of his own little box and maybe try something new, try something different. One other note. When will the fire put together a complete game when the offense, defense, and coaching staff all work together? It's almost like playing at Soldier Field, the home of the Chicago Bears. It's kind of rubbing off on the Chicago fire here. And Bears fans know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, next up, we have our featured guest segment. John Donovan is going to let you know all of his thoughts and his analysis on the Chicago fire draw to DC United. And John Donovan is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water. Icelandic for clear, Skiwa water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with a naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. So on the podcast side, you're going to hear from John Donovan. And on the YouTube side, we're going to take a short pause. Nick, John Donovan here talking about the Chicago Fire and the MLS. Nick saw a game Saturday night, uh, the Fire against D.C., and... Honestly, what a bummer of a game, Nick. I uh, love the sport of soccer, and obviously I've seen the growth of the MLS. But this particular game Saturday night did not show any quality on both sides. It just was, it, it almost appeared to me as if they chose the team in the locker room or in the parking lot. It uh, DC was terrible. They had very little decent play. Obviously, they, they weren't scored against, but they played against a very weak Chicago offensive squad. So what? how did we start out this game, Nick? We, you know, everybody's been uh, talking about will Ezra use Gutierrez or will he use uh, Chakiri? Well, he used Gutierrez, and I thought Gutierrez had a pretty good game. Honestly, he was, he opens up the field nice. He runs well. 
He feeds the ball in a in a good location for guys like Mueller. The problem is with the fire. Mueller is a great player. I mean, I really he's always a threat. Um, he and Gutierrez play quite well together, but the offense isn't balanced. Casper, you know, he's had he has some uh, some good moves once in a while, but my hope was Salisi uh, would would play well. Well, he didn't, and I'm looking at the statistics. Statistics count. When you look at the end of the year and you think you own all these stocks and so forth, and you look at how much money you made, it's a bad year if you don't make anything. And Haile Selassie, although looks good, he's a winger. He hasn't scored a goal, and he's had some opportunities, and I think it's time for the fire to keep looking. Um, They do not have a right wing other than maybe Shakiri. If Ezra has his mind about him starting the next game, he should put, should put Shakiri out there. Maybe that would balance out Gutierrez's passing. Uh, it's pretty obvious that he goes to the left side because Mueller is always open, and they play quite well together. Um, so, you know, hopefully the Greek guy comes in and we can start him up stop, top and Shakiri out to the right. Mueller will always be a threat. And you could see every time he got the ball, they were doubling down on him, which, you know, what are you going to say? I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that the Fire are a left-side offensive squad. The Gutierrez, you know, he played a good game. He couldn't get a score out of any of his forwards. But the other obvious um, substitution, and I support it, was Dean in for Navarro. Dean plays well. He's not the chaotic, arguing with referee, card-threatening uh, player that Navarro is. You get what you see with Dean. He's fast. He's reliable. He opens himself up for passing. I think down the line, he's got to get himself a little bit more involved with the offense. But for right now, working with Terran and Chizos, he's he's really good. He gets He balances out that back line fairly well. Suket, I thought he had a better game than he has had, but he still is not getting, you know, he's a 31-year-old, very experienced French player. I'd like to see him more involved in the offense. I can see why Dean is laying back a bit. He has, doesn't have a lot of experience. So we had a team with Casper, Mueller, and Salisi on the side. Gutierrez, number nine. Jimenez and Herbers in the defensive uh, midfield. Now, Herbers has been a great substitute over his MLS career. The final 20 minutes of a game or in once in a while for a substitute, he's good. But is he adding any offensive threat? He did score the one goal that got us a win. Um, But I I don't know what they're going to do back in that position. Obviously, Federico Navarro... That's probably his position. He's taking a big salary up, but he does the same thing as Jimenez. He's a stopper, and we need more offense. So I'd like to see some jiggling back there. Pineda has a little bit more offensive style than Herbers. I would have put Pineda up there rather than Herbers. Um, you know, but but the team itself, the fire team, played relatively well other than the forward right side they really need to balance out that forward line it just you can't go down as a number nine and consistently have to look over to Mueller because he's the one that's getting open so that's Ezra's challenge for this week now the game itself Nick was bad 
It it I don't know how DC thinks that they have an MLS squad. It um to be very honest with you, a, about 60 minutes into the game, I nodded off for about five minutes. It just didn't have any exciting moments in the game. Cassie Fantas did hit the goal, which was nice, but their buildup, their midfield play, they just it just was not a professional game the way I like to see it. I like to see the MLS prepping up and being better every year. And um, it's just not happening this year. A DC is a prime example of a team that needs a professional coach to be to be out there. I don't think Rooney, you know, there's a lot of great athletes that can't coach. And I um, Rooney shows not too much um, good on that team. You know, they had that big guy, um, Bendiki, I think his name is, and the ball kept getting played into him and played into him. That was the only move they had on the game. So... Game-wise, not so good. The Fire walked away with a tie against a bad team. I'd like to see Ezra next game fiddle around with that right side, maybe Chakiri up there, anything to balance out that offense. Because when you think back, we haven't gotten a goal from that right side in a long time. It has to be balanced out. So let's go Fire for next week. They play Minnesota, and Minnesota is hot. They went in and beat uh, St. Louis uh, an undefeated, two undefeated teams playing, and they walked away as the winner. So, you know, they have a funny thing happening with that fellow Reynosa from Argentina. I don't get it. I think he's making $2 million not to, well, he's suspended right now. So I don't understand what's happening with a guy being offered so much to play a kid's game. But um, let's see what happens next week, Nick. Mike, I hope everything's well for you. Take care, everybody. Well, thank you, John. I really appreciate the analysis. I like it. I like the comparison between Chicago Fire and D.C. United as kind of organizations, as franchises, and where they're at right now. Um, I will slightly disagree with you, John, that I think Wayne Rooney is a little better coach than what he showed in MLS, but he is in the talent evaluation segment right now, um, kind of learning the league himself as well. Like, we know Rooney's kind of the play the kids guy, but like the fire, they're still trying to figure out the talent they have. We've seen a lot of one and two year deals. We've seen a lot of homegrowns and a lot of signings on, on Chicago fire two for MLS next pro, but then you still have Jordan Shakiri, Jairo Torres, Casper Shabilko, Kai Kamara. Those aren't building blocks. Those are guys who are supposed to win you games right now. Similarly on DC side, when you have taxi Fontes and Christian Benteke, those are guys who you're supposed to win games with now unless Benteke they're bringing in maybe to be a cultural change or just to be a holdover until they can develop the next striker that they want to use and maybe they thought getting Taxi Fountas having him excel in MLS would be a good investment piece and they could sell him off but DC and the Fire are two similar organizations at this point which is not a good thing for the Chicago Fire or DC United all right let's take a look at some of the stats now and see if in watching the game it kind of reflects what the stats show now, the Chicago Fire surprisingly had 58% possession, and these stats are from MLSsoccer.com. Uh, so it's actually, I think this is the first game they actually had the majority of the possession. Generated 11 shots, but only two on goal. Total passes, 394 passes with a 70% passing accuracy. So this may have been their best passing game of the season, despite having no offense. And the fact that they had 70% passing accuracy uh, means that they were playing a little bit more 
in the middle to the defensive part of the field. Because typically, if teams are having closer to an 80% passing completion, it means they're playing uh, more in their defensive zone when it's easier to complete passes, unless you're playing against the team that is pressing and counter-pressing. And when you have something lower down towards the 60% uh, passing completions, you're you're playing a lot of long balls, you're playing a lot of crosses, you're, you're playing a lot of counter-attacking in the opposing uh, team's half and attacking third. Because when we look at DC United, 62%. Passing accuracy, only 296 total passes. So, yeah, they were they were playing long balls. They were playing quick counters. They were letting their players tee off relatively quickly when they would get the ball in a dangerous spot. Um, meanwhile, the fire were, like, caught somewhere in the middle. They weren't attacking. They weren't defending. They weren't really building possession in the middle third, right? So uh, I think the stats kind of match up with that, despite this being their statistically best passing game. Now, the fire had two offside and 21 crosses in nine corners. So they weren't really stretching the back line as much as I would have liked to see. We've seen the fire in the past have games where they've had 15, 16 crosses, three, four offsides. I'm sorry, 15, 16 corner kicks, you know, three, four offsides, and then even uh, into the, the mid to high twenties on crosses. Um, so they weren't really getting into the, the wings and playing the balls in and they weren't stretching that back line. But again, no yellow cards, no red cards. So maybe their discipline is getting just a little bit better. Uh, looking at an advanced stat, the expected goals, if you're into that sort of thing, the Chicago Fire had one expected goal to DC's 0.7. What I will say about expected goals, and it's not a perfect stat, it's a piece of the puzzle, and here's how I'm using it to evaluate the Fire. The Chicago Fire had one expected goal, 1.0 if you want to add the decimal point. Mueller's header in the 28th was 0.27. Kai's header in stoppage time, the one that almost won it, was 0.17. So that is a 0.44. So of the one, 0.44 of that comes on two opportunities. So in this match, 44% of the Chicago Fire's goal-scoring opportunities came from two shots, came from two opportunities. That's not it. That's not good enough, right? And those were the two best opportunities. So the Fire are generating low percentage chances of scoring goals. They are not doing a good job on offense. And that's how I think you can use expected goal. You can't just say, oh, well, the fire were expected to have one, and DC were expected to have less than one, so statistically the fire should have won the game. Then you're getting into Ezra Hendrickson territory of, well, we almost won it, and I liked how we played. Yeah, not going to fly for much longer, Ezra. And that's, I think, the best way to use some of these statistics is to analyze it along with the gameplay and other factors as well. Again, consistent theme here not generating high quality or high percentage chances. And that even has gone back to the last two games when they've scored three goals each. All right, before we wrap up, let's take a look at a few things from around the league. A few matches that I told you to watch going into this weekend. Will Atlanta bounce back with a win against Red Bull? And they sure did. They got the one a win. They barely got it. But as people are pointing out across the league and social media, Atlanta finally beat Red Bull. Also, would St. Louis continue their historic run against Minnesota? Nope, they ended up losing one nothing, and on a PK in the second half. Looking at the numbers, though, and watching some of the play, it was a fairly even game, uh, and Minnesota came out ahead in the end. Well, now the pressure is off St. Louis. They can just go run it and, and run the way they want to play, and Minnesota, unfortunately for the fire, are going to be on a bit of a high because that's who they're taking on in their next match, and we'll have a preview about that coming up. 
Uh, Vancouver hosting Montreal was another game I wanted to look at. Just some interconference Canadian rivalry. And Montreal goes down a man early on in that game, I think in the 23rd minute. Uh, and Vancouver then just rolls them, takes full advantage of the man advantage, and goes on to a 5 nothing win. Another surprise that I saw was TFC blowing a two-goal lead uh, to draw Charlotte. TFC was up 2 nothing. Federico Bernadeschi with an Olympico on the one corner. Uh, but then Charlotte comes back, gets the draw. I say this is a surprise, but TFC fans, let me know. Is it a surprise that, sh- that Toronto is blowing leads like this? I mean, they look like the fire a little bit. Sorry, don't mean to insult you, but it's concerning. That's everything I wanted to discuss in today's episode. Make sure you're following along on Spotify. Rate and review where you get your podcasts and be sure to subscribe on YouTube. You can follow on social media at Glasshouse Soccer. Enjoy the U.S. Open Cup matches this week. You're ready for the next match day, Fire fans. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of this week.